Hey guys, welcome back to Beer Buddies. Uh, we have a brewery spotlight for you guys today. Um, probably the most distant brewery that we've done as far as the spotlight goes. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, Chris, this is sort of your your pet project. Um, this four pack, we'll kind of talk about each one of them as we go, but. Um, this is more your your kind of thing, so go ahead and walk us through kind of what we're doing today. So I want to mention that we are on the podcast patio, podcast which patio. is currently above a children's pool party down at our, our local pool here. So pardon the noise. Uh, we're not doing this as a playground. That would be illegal. <laughs> just for <laughs> clarification. <laughs> uh, it's just a nice day out today and everyone's enjoying the pool. So uh, to get to the point here, you and I have had a lot of mixed four packs. I think we both get pretty excited about mixed four packs when breweries do this. Um, whether yeah. it's collaboration, we've seen some really cool ones for like your week. We've seen mm -hmm. uh, like that. We just did the spotlight for Urban Roots with the mixed four pack of their uh, anniversary beers. It was pretty cool. Yeah. This one's a little different. Well, and I mean, not just that. Not just do we get excited when a brewery drops a mixed four pack, but really most of our drinking is a mixed four pack. You know, oh yeah. Most, the of, most of the time you know, we go to the store, we'll buy. Yeah. Um, We'll go to Smart Mart or other single can mm -hmm. distributors and buy four different cans, and that's our evening. We'll, you know, split the four cans and go through right a four pack, and that's that's kind of the gig. So yeah, um, you you have you've set a pretty high bar. I think I think you said this is the best mixed four pack that you've ever had as far as the ones that the breweries have dropped. I think that's where the the asterisk is. Yeah, so we've had a lot of our, create our own mixed four packs. As far as being a homegrown one from this place, or any place you can buy off the shelf, this is this blew me away. This was, and maybe part of it was just unexpected. Uh, I mean, the can art's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. It's pretty awesome can art. And that's, to me, a lot of times I'm like, ah, sometimes a red flag. I'm like, they're really trying to sell you the beer. Whereas normally you and I just like the beer because it's good. So if it's a good beer, it'll sell itself. Right. It's true. So this did catch my eye because of the can art. I have to admit that. So I grabbed one. And I believe our, our buddy Miles and I were the ones that split the first one. Uh, just back when you were in Oklahoma. So about a year and a half ago. It was a while ago. Sure. So uh, he and I were both just like, oh, man. Oh, oh, every time we took a sip of these beers in his garage, you know. And uh, he liked it so much. I actually gave him another one on his birthday that he was really excited for. So I found another one. And then... I was very excited a couple weeks ago when I found this one on the shelf in, uh, in Total Wine. Sure. I was like, holy, I grabbed it. This is going home with me. Yeah. Jordan has to try this. So um, the cool part about this mixed four pack is it's kind of stacked in a way where it goes light to dark. Like if you were to do a flight at a brewery, this is kind of how you would drink cool. some of their beers. When you and I do uh, spotlights, we try to grab a spread of beer, like a light uh, red or a stout or like a, a lager and like a sour and uh, maybe a brownie or something. Like we try to hit the range a little bit, mm -hmm. not just uh, a bunch of IPAs. So this mixed four pack has a vanilla ale, a peanut butter. Um, is it peanut butter ale or peanut butter? It says peanut butter ale. Peanut butter ale, okay. So we got a quarter and a stout. A quarter and a stout, yep. Yeah. They each have their own special kind of twist. So we're gonna start with the vanilla cream ale. So yeah, this is a vanilla wafer cream ale. Oh, so. you know what we didn't do? Really quick before we get there, 
Let's drop the name of the brewery. Well, I was gonna. I was gonna okay, buy, go for it. Jordan's buy, got the can. Let's let him drive. Buy O'Fallon, O apostrophe Fallon Brewery from St. Louis County, and that they are located in Maryland Heights, Missouri. Uh, before you started the podcast, I looked it up. Uh, they're about three hours outside of Kansas City. Oh, right on. So. Um, this is like almost as Midwest as it gets. Yeah. So so your experience with mid- Midwestern beer is probably similar to mine. Mm-hmm. We're spoiled here in California with the True. quality of beer that we have access to. Not just that, but the distribution. We get East Coast stuff. We get stuff from Canada. We get stuff from all over the place. So um, I didn't realize this was a Midwest beer when I had it. And now that you know it's a Midwestern beer, I want to see what you think once you try it. Because I think we're both coming from a similar place the Cheers. first times that we, we tried it where our expectations weren't uh, mm. great um, we'll go ahead and read the description mm-hmm. um, so I just automatically thought it was going to be like a cream ale and they probably added vanilla mm-hmm. like vanilla beans and I'll just read and see what happens. So this medium bodied ale starts with a variety of lighter colored malts and adjuncts including pale malt and corn, which add cookie like flavor and sweetness to the beer. Just before finishing we add cold pressed Madagascar vanilla that ties in all the attributes of this classic cookie. So mm. they use <clears throat> adjunct adjunct malt to get that very light cookie kind of flavor. Yeah. Um, and then vanilla. So I don't get as much cookie. Well, I was going to mention the last time I had this, uh, tasted slightly different. This one, and maybe I'm crazy, I think you can taste the age on this a little bit. Meaning it's like a little flat, or? Meaning it's, it's probably not a fresh brew. It's probably been on the shelf for a while. Oh, sure. I can see so, that. You know, stored in a, in a climate controlled area because it's a, in a store. Uh, still good. It's still pretty good. It's still pretty good. Yeah, I'm typically not a, <coughs> a huge fan of cream ales. I think this is pretty good. I think my issue with it is really the adjuncts. I don't typically like things that mm. are, as far as like adjuncts, meaning I don't typically go for like rice and corn type of filler stuff. Okay. But even with that, I still enjoy this, which I think says a lot about the quality of the beer. If they're using ingredients that typically I shy away from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And still making a beer that I'm enjoying. Yeah, like like um, I think a, a huge recognizable uh, brewery that uses adjuncts. Uh, you said rice. Um, people would recognize Budweiser. Mm-hmm. They use rice as part of the corn. Yeah. Uh, no, they're 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 very heavy on rice. Oh, sure. I would almost call them an American rice lager. They're uh, to that point. So um, there are. I think the way that Budweiser uses rice, it helps with the, kind of a light body. Mm-hmm. It's not a lot of filler. I like the way that they use the corn in this cream ale. It does exactly what I said. It gives it a little bit of that sweet, not a clean cookie taste, but the malt taste or the malt profile does seem a little different. Yeah, I think it says with a variety of lighter colored malts and adjuncts, including pale malts, and I think probably adjunct malt. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they use something called victory malt. Mm. Um, which is a British version of pale malt, which actually okay. imparts like a biscuity quality. Oh, nice. Um, using some kind of thing like that, they also have like legit cookie malt. Mm-hmm. 
that would be sort of like an adjunct type of malt. It's not adjunct meaning not base malt kind of thing. Yeah. That's kind of my read at least, but um, it's an interesting idea. You know, you and I think of, and I'm really excited for these first two. Um, we'll talk about, you know, the peanut butter ales next, but I'm really excited for these first two because typically when you think of sweeter dessert beers, almost always porters and stouts. Yeah. Because porters yeah. and stouts have a naturally chocolate type of, like, character from, like, mm -hmm. the malts you would use mm -hmm. and a little bit of sweetness from that. And so, you know, if you... Um, add, you know, if you take a stout and you add a little bit of coconut to it, you're not that, you know, you already have chocolate and I have coconut, you know, mm -hmm. you can pretty much just call it German chocolate cake stout. Like, yeah. it's, it's mostly a coconut stout, but it's all about how you brand it, right? If yeah. you, you know, give it a little bit of a nutty quality and then add some coconut, like, well, now it's a German chocolate cake stout. Yeah. Or you can give it a strawberry flavor and give it some vanilla beans and now it's a Neapolitan stout. You know, like, there's all yeah. these things that you can do with these dark beers but there aren't very many sweeter mid-range to light beers that we know of. Mm -hmm. um, and as far as like dessert style, like no, I'll say without fruit. Like normally fruit, fruit would be kind of the answer, like a mm -hmm. strawberry blonde or like yeah. you know blueberry amber. But to see like a vanilla wafer, like a cookie, vanilla cookie kind of cream ale. It's like, well, actually, shoot, that's that's a different idea. And it's, it's yeah. exciting to see because you kind of hit it and we'll kind of go through it. Um, <clears throat> we'll kind of this I think will be a thing that we talk about on the podcast, but typically the Midwest, the beer scene is much less experimental and much yeah. more rooted in tradition, which is indicative of the culture. Like people who are trying to brew beer are trying to get people from that region to come in and buy their beer. Yeah. And if they're making California beer in Missouri, it's not going to sell as well, most likely. Mm -hmm. Versus if you, you know, if you made a rice lager, mm -hmm. tasted just like Budweiser, you know, like yeah. you'd probably sell a lot of it. Yeah, I think um, I want to comment really quick before I move on to wrap up my idea about using the adjuncts comparing like a Budweiser mass-produced beer with adjunct versus this one. I think the way that you have shied away from adjunct use is, is usually mass production or volume or filler. Mm -hmm. And you and I can detect filler in a beer, yeah. whereas they used adjuncts in this um, cookie uh, cream ale to kind of add to the experience. Mm -hmm. It was very purposeful. I think that's a, that's a huge difference. I want to give him props for that. Sure. So. Yeah. Like, yeah. like this would probably, this mixed four pack, as, once we get to the end, I think you would agree with me. It almost keeps up with some of the stuff we've had around here. Sure. In Sacramento. Like, even just this first beer, which to me is the least exciting one. Oh, boy. It's that's, also, you. the other thing you talked about, and this is sort of more of a macro drinking experience. Um, so, you know, for our listeners, the longer you drink, <clears throat> it's not just about like, yeah, tipping five or six different beers back in an evening and trying a bunch of beers, ton of fun. Mm -hmm. But the next kind of level beyond that is starting to think about like the, the beginning to end. Kind of like how you talked about, you know, when we go get a mixed four pack, we'll try to do something light, something dark, and then find two sort of stepping stones in the middle, mm -hmm. whether it's a sour and IPA or a sour and a red ale. Yeah. Or a hazy and a porter, or something like that. Yeah. Assuming the beginning is like a pilsner and a stout, like those kinds mm -hmm. of things. And so, even though this isn't like the most mind-blowing beer we've ever had, 
something that I'm interested to track as we go is this might be the perfect warm-up beer that also sets up the rest of the four pack and Which, wouldn't that be a thing right. right and so ooh, that is also part of the experience is you know like in sports you, you know you have your star players you have your role players mm -hmm. and every championship team has role players that mm -hmm. do so I don't think this is a star player beer but in the overall drinking experience if you think from a brewery perspective if they're putting on a mixed four pack if they're doing it with with the utmost intentionality right like they're being very intentional about what they're putting out let's let's just assume that they are because sometimes we've gone like sometimes mm -hmm. they're not yeah but if they were putting it out with the utmost intentionality they would have some of those things where well this beer's gonna step to this, this beer's gonna step to this, this beer's gonna step to this. Yeah. And yeah. there are signs of that, so I'm interested to see how how it pans out. We're gonna revisit this question. Uh, I think it's gonna be a very interesting discussion when we finish beer number four in the four pack. But I'm very excited that this is kind of where your mind's going when we've only had the first beer in the four pack. And you've seen all the, the four beers that are in there. Mm-hmm. I I I'm gonna be surprised if you don't agree with me at the end of it. it was a very intentional not just the order of these beers but the brewmaster going I want to give you an experience I'm going to give you basically a four pack instead of a flight you're going to have four pints but we're going to walk you down this trail and you're going to learn some things mm -hmm. which we I don't think we've seen a brewery do that in Sacramento if not for a long time we're talking about intention not just throwing four cans together not we haven't seen it in the mixed four pack um but like brewing four specific beers to walk you down a very specific path in a beer drinking experience. Well, and so far, right. and I'm saving a nugget that we'll come to in a little bit mm -hmm. as we start to transition from this beer to the second one. But it, to harp on something I said earlier, not just the experience of here's four beers, light to dark, here's the ore you should drink them in, and that's the experience we're providing but also the next layer beyond that, which is why I think this is, I'm excited for this. I'm really excited because also let me do something innovative with these styles that mm -hmm. is not quite as common. Yeah. And so <clears throat> we'll kind of see. This is a really, really good starting point. I think this is, you know, uh, when you're drinking beer, it's, it's really great to have a warm-up beer. Mm -hmm. A lot of times before these podcasts, Chris and I feel like, we're just jumping in at a really high level, like something like if everything is, like if we're starting with the hazy for the flight, mm -hmm. seven percent and up for the whole night. It's like usually we actually crack something lighter, yeah, off the air to warm the palate up. And mm -hmm. so this is a great. This is like it's it's really checking all of the boxes. I don't think it's the best beer. I want if you were to drink this beer by itself, I I'm not gonna say it's disappointing. But it is more disappointing than the potential, than what it really adds to the whole, the holistic yeah. experience. And so, and for the viewers at home, Jordan is holding up the can of the vanilla cream ale. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this, the, the vanilla cream ale, <laughs> by itself, if I, if you were to drink multiple cans of this, you'd be like, all right, it's all right. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want more than maybe a pint of this. We agree. And so, and also Jordan's holding the can and shaking. Knowing very, where very you're going, Chris and Matt narrator. Um, but knowing where we're going, I think it's cool. And also, it is yeah. experimental for the style. Um, yeah, just there's a lot of things. All of the, all the points I've already made, but all of them simultaneously. And it's rare to find that in a beer, especially one that's not a beer that I would drink maybe a whole pint of, and that's it. Like, that's, yeah. kind, of, that's kind of interesting. All right, so you're almost done with your vanilla? Uh-huh. All right. 
can definitely hear those kids beating each other with pool noodles in the recording. <laughs> I stuck it. Well, when you crack that one open, I, uh, I think I'm going to give Miles a call and tell him that we're drinking his favorite four-pack and see how he feels. Great. Yeah, see if he feels poo-poo or if he's excited. See, We'll see if he answers. Give him a call. Yeah, yeah that's right. He's a family man. On speaker. Let's see. Mr. Miles. Thank you, sir. Hey, you're on the air. Did I wake you up? No. You alright? Yeah, I'm just relaxing. Okay, well, Jordan and I are hanging out, and uh, we're recording a podcast right now on the podcast patio, and um, we wanted to tell you uh, that we're drinking through that legendary four pack which one which one the, the, the one, one the, the four pack mouse the one the one with the cookie the cookie flavored one and yes oh you bastards we just wanted to tell you that we're drinking through it and you know you're not here so we wanted to make sure that you were here in spirit with us and we wanted to brag and <laughs> love you miles <laughs> love you guys too fuck you logan <laughs> Well, that's all. I'll let you get back to your life, man. Okay, I appreciate it. Thank you for, thank you for making me jealous. <laughs> Welcome. Talk to you soon. See you, man. Bye, guys. <laughs> <clears throat> all right. So, creamy peanut butter ale. Let's, ta- let's taste it. Let's and, taste and it. Let's get some thoughts, then I'll read the well. thing on the can. Mm. I do want to ask you. Is this the lightest peanut butter beer that we've ever had? Because it's an ale. It's not. Which one would we have that's lighter than this? Track 7's Peanut Butter Blonde. That's right. Mm-hmm. Oh, but this is boy. Second. This is not far off from that, though. So, the Peanut Butter Blonde is substantially lighter than this. Was it? The base for this cookie-inspired beer... See, this is not... What cookie beer? There's no creamy peanut butter cookie ale? Is that what they mean? It looks like those peanut butter crackers, the Nutter Butters. The sweet... Malt forward golden ale. Generous amounts of Munich style malts. Okay, cool. Help to create color. the help to create the nutty backbone while the sweeter caramel malts add depth and color to the sweet. Sweet No, add depth and color to this dessert cookie beer. We added a peanut butter top note to highlight this classic cookie style dessert beer. Cool. It looks so like a nutter butter. Yeah. It's supposed to be Sort of like a, a golden ale. Uh, it came out as more of an amber. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit amber color. Almost like a tree sap amber, like dead on amber color. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, like Jurassic Park, I'm looking for a mosquito in my beer glass amber. You know what I mean? It's uh, there. That's true. The color's there. But <clears throat> the interesting thing is yes, I can totally add a peanut butter, but. So much, and I felt this way about the last one too, is that the last one, the vanilla was there, it was a hint of vanilla, but most of the taste was actually coming from the the ingredients. Like the ingredients were make, like, make, like actual beer ingredients. So like, you can take a blonde and just add strawberries to it, and of course it tastes like strawberries. Mm-hmm. But the difference would be like when we've, whenever we've had Tropical Torpedo from Sierra Nevada, where we're getting these fruit flavors, and those are coming specifically from the hops. Yeah. Now take that, 
and sort of map that on to the last two beers we've had where we're getting sweetness of a peanut butter cookie from the actual malt, like the caramel malt used is imparting a sweetness, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's enhancing it. Same with the Munich style malt is giving yeah. this bready cookie kind of quality to it. And they add a touch of peanut butter, so they are still playing the adjunct game, but they're letting the ingredients for the beer kind of enhance the flavor versus really leaning on adjuncts. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, the yeah. adjuncts are just, like, adjuncts we've used, not adjuncts in the grand, the same way we talked about rice and corn, but adjuncts just meaning more of additives, like peanut butter or vanilla beans, or these other things, or strawberries, like we talked about at one point, mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> which we'll talk about again later. But coconut you brought up already. Coconut I brought up, right. And so, the actual beer ingredients are doing most of the legwork, um, which I think is very thoughtful brewing. Mm -hmm. you no know, versus some some brewers just take a beer and load it with a bunch of extra stuff. Yeah, and <clears throat> it's also a very effective way of brewing. But I really appreciate the sort of purist kind of approach, while sort of finding ways to be innovative. I think is cool. What if I asked you this? If you closed your eyes, you drank this beer, would you be able to tell me that? This beer has peanut butter in it, or was brewed intentionally to be somewhat peanut butter influenced, or is it so subtle that you could potentially mistake it for being some other kind? Like we just talked about, like having more of a cookie, um, like a, almost like a, a real cookie, like home baked cookie flavor to it. Uh, I do think there's a chance. I think I think if you're not paying attention, if you're not paying attention, you could miss it. I do think. I think most likely you'd probably taste a little bit of peanut butter. Yeah, but you'd probably versus, question it. You'd, yeah. you'd like if you drink like Nuck and Futs from Track Seven, which is a peanut butter porter. Yeah. Or if you drink uh, the peanut butter milk stout, like from Belching Beaver. Yeah. Belching Beaver, right? It is unmistakably flavored with peanut butter. Like there's mm -hmm. no way you're gonna miss that peanut butter flavor. Versus this, you might be able to miss it. The biggest text on the front of the can is, the, or the two words peanut butter and. That to me was like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna dive into this. I, I love peanut butter beers. It's gonna be great. And it was. We did a whole podcast. Yeah, we, we did. It might, it might get nutty, um, or things get a little nutty. I can't remember the exact name. I should know these things. Uh, but that was the the podcast right before we upgraded the audio. So it was also on the podcast patio. A little, little rough, but we mm -hmm. tried like seven or eight different types of peanut butter beers, a mead, uh -huh. all kinds of stuff. If we were to throw this one in there, we might have the same feelings that we had for that blueberry and peanut butter jelly sandwich mead that we tried. Mm -hmm. Pretty much just a blueberry mead. There was no peanut butter. I'm like, why would you put peanut butter on here? But it's very, very subtle. Yeah. This, when I look at the can, the biggest words on the can are the words peanut butter. And it's actually doing a dance with the malt. And I don't even think there's really a hot profile of this. It's really, really smooth. Yeah. Um, the peanut butter is kind of, you know, it's not up front. It's in there. I do think they nailed the branding, peanut butter ale, and it's like a, it's kind of a gold nail, kind of an amber, yeah. and it's just kind of, it's a peanut it's butter. Kind of orangey. Peanut butter beer, you know, like. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but with that much peanut butter on the label, I was expecting a little bit more peanut butter to flavor. Yes, and so I will say, like, if we were going to go out and grab a peanut butter beer, this is not the beer I want to get, but it's still pretty good. Following that vanilla wafer cream ale. It's a nice stepping stone. It's a very nice stepping stone. And I think your point to the way they use adjuncts um, so far are not um, process driven. It's very intentional and very subtle. Mm -hmm. Which is very classy to me. Very, 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 very 
understated yet artistic brewing. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's happening here. Yeah. Um, and I think understated is a good thing. Like they're not lacking. It's there. Um, and the beers are very, very well balanced. I'm actually very yeah. impressed with how balanced things are. Which maybe that was why they stuck to an ale um, instead of trying to, trying to jump down into like a porter with the peanut butter. Well, I that would think, have been a huge jump from that vanilla. I so think. Is, well, yeah, they but they also could have put something else instead. And so, yeah, I am very, very impressed that they attempted to make a peanut butter beer. You know, like if you were going to talk about peanut butter. In my mind, peanut butter goes with two things unbelievably well. Peanut butter goes with jelly. Mm-hmm. Peanut butter goes with chocolate. Yeah. And so, and there's more things before, you know, sometimes people are, oh, there's a new podcast. I disagree with this uh, thing, which happens every now and again. If, um, if Jordan's wrong, send us an email and explain to him what peanut butter goes with better than jelly or chocolate. And, uh... Feel free. Love that. And, um... <laughs> Make sure it's that's attention Jordan's wrong. <laughs> Subject line, Jordan's wrong about peanut butter. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> if we had a merch store, that would be an awesome shirt. Just your face, George Trump, up peanut butter. And then Beer Buddies for Life episode on the back. That'd be amazing. Uh, but that's why, you know, this, again, what we talked about earlier, where like porters and stouts naturally have more of a dessert style to them. Yeah. There are so many, like, peanut butter beers that we've had. Go back and listen to that episode. Most of them are porters and stouts. Yeah. Yeah. Peanut butter cup. Is it peanut butter cup porter from it's Carl Strauss? Yeah. yeah, peanut butter cup. So it's chocolate porter. Very, yeah, yeah, chocolate. You know, and Belgian beaver peanut butter milk stout. Uh, I think you the chocolate is the key there. The, the grain type. Or the yes. Grain and so uh, yeah. the peanut butter just and they could have made a peanut butter porter or a peanut butter stout and nobody would have batted an eye. Mm-hmm. But that is an easy, comfortable decision, right? So. Like, if I told you that the brewery made a mixed four pack that had zero IPAs, mm-hmm. right? Already, like wow, zero IPAs, and they made a peanut butter beer that's not a porter or a stout. Like, those mm. are two kind of shocking things already. Yes. yes. And I told you that there were also two dark beers. Spoiler alert! On the back end of the four pack, there were two dark beers, uh-huh. and neither one of them had peanut butter in it. And there was a peanut butter beer on the four pack, and the other fourth beer wasn't an IPA. Like, wow, that's that's a very different take. Yes. Well, so I want to ask you, because you know what the third beer is going to be. I think it's the, it's a porter, if I'm not mistaken. I'll have to double check the can. I think the way they made the porter in this four-pack, they chose correctly. And they made the peanut butter beer not the porter. There are two options here. I, you guys are you're, you're going to listen to uh, as we drink the porter uh, in a few minutes here. But I think they made the better choice. Okay. With the different adjunct or different ingredients they used. I'm interested to see. Ooh, boy. So how much do you have left? Because that's actually the third beer on this flight is my third. It's like one of my favorite. Uh, one of my favorite, I want to say. Okay, okay. Um, favorite quarters? Nope, nope. Oh. I'm going to not say anything more. Because what I'm doing is getting really excited. I'm going to ruin it for the listeners. And I want them to be along the ride. Or along with us for the ride. So. Cool. So while we finish up, I have a couple thoughts. Okay. First, these first two beers are low in ABV. So I'm interested to follow that trend. Mm-hmm. Low in ABV meaning 5.2 and 5.5. And yeah. the other thing I thought of about no IPAs in the four-pack would be IPAs are not as popular in the Midwest. Yeah. People who claim to love beer 
that I have met because I lived, you know, I didn't live in what most people consider being the Midwest, but I lived in mm -hmm. Oklahoma, which has, uh, it's kind of a melting pot between the South and the Midwest. Yeah. I interacted with quite a few people from the Midwest who are like, oh, I love beer. Yeah, more of a wheat beer, a cream ale, like some mm -hmm. porters and stout. Like, it's more about the malt the porters. The beer. Mm -hmm. and longer family. And so, they also, like, not from a cultural perspective necessarily, but a lot of people look at these beers that are 7 or 8 percent, and that's a lot, because for a long time, Oklahoma wasn't allowed to have anything over like 3.8 percent or something on draft. Like, that's what, that yeah. was a law like well, 15, 20 years ago. Utah still has the distribution law of 5 percent below. Mm-hmm, so... And then, I think I've told you stories about my grandfather um, doing, his beer distribution was 3 percent back when Miller and, and Pabst and those guys were king. 3% was the standard. Like, you know, now today, a Budweiser's 5%. That was 3%. And on Sundays, you drank beer that was called Sunday beer that was 1.5%. Mm. And that, like, 3% was like, yeah, that's a beer. And then a little bit further down the line, a little bit later on in the timeline, we have beers between 35 to 5% is now like, okay, that's a that's a beer. Oh, man. You know what I mean? It, and to me, five, 5 is sort of the metric. If it's under yeah. 5, I think it's a little low. Even this peanut butter ale is at five and a half. I'm like, okay, I mean, we're fine, but it's also, yeah. a, it's a, knowing how common seven and eight percent beer is, mm -hmm. like, five and a half is a little low, even though it's mm -hmm. technically average. So, question for you. I apologize, this is a little windy today, if you guys can hear. Yeah. Uh, these two beers are on the lighter side that we just finished, the first half of the flight. Excuse me, had they been 7 or 8%, would you think that they would become a little bit boozy? And I think that might have taken away from their, like, if you're doing, like, the tasting, or, like, kind of walking through it. I I'm think, interested to see. Go ahead, for sure, idea. I'm just saying, like, if these had been heavier, the, the taste of the alcohol, which we sometimes we like, sometimes we don't like, and some of the heavier stouts, like barrel stouts, the booziness does have its qualities where it adds to the beer. I think it would have taken away from these two. Sure. Right now, I'm interested to see. I'm interested to see where the next two go, and I'll kind of form an opinion from there. Do you want to grab the next two? Yeah. Yeah, I was just checking. Uh, we posted an episode like 24 hours ago, and we already have tons of views on it and a couple comments. So cool. I just got a notification from SoundCloud on my phone. I was checking. I appreciate you guys are listening. Um, we're really excited to have all these fans from everywhere. It's, it's randomly all over the world. Um, uh, we appreciate you guys. So, oh, so yeah. true. That being said, I'll be right back. Okay. So, from memory, I was correct. The next beer is a porter followed by a stout. Mm -hmm. um, it seems to be a common theme where all four of these beers have a variety of additives or adjuncts, as you call mm -hmm. them. Um, so, go ahead, Jordan. Um, since you've been reading off the beers, read off our third beer and tell us what we're drinking. Strawberry chocolate guilty pleasure porter. Strawberry chocolate. Okay. You and I have had a few, maybe three or four different strawberry beers. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had a beer that like tastes like you're biting into a strawberry? Or has it always been a little bit different strawberry flavor because of the way that it's boiled, or the way that it's added, you know, is it post boiled process well, or puree? I or? don't know that I understand your question. I'll just answer it with strawberry is a tough flavor to work with as a brewer. A brewer. There you go. So I led you in there. It's tough to work with. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to capture the strawberriness of a strawberry because it's true. as you introduce temperature, things mm -hmm. like um, maybe a little bit of acidity depending on what you're doing. 
the fruit tends to break down. And this is something that's not just for strawberries, for all different kinds of things. Uh, it also adds, like, like you mentioned before in one of our old podcasts, coconut or adding peanut butter tends to change the... Uh, the protein characteristics, the foam characteristics, makes it really hard the head to... tension, yeah. Yeah, so... With that oh, being gosh. said... That is rather aromatic. I'm not, my face isn't... For our listeners, my face isn't even near the glass, and I can smell the strawberry. That, this is where I'm, I'm trying to lead you to. Smell it. Just put it in your nose. How much, like a strawberry, does that smell? Yeah, it's strong. If you slice a strawberry open, to me, like on a cutting board, this is what this beer smells like just they either used an unbelievable amount of strawberries or and possibly also used a little bit of strawberry extract to okay. to um really drive that home this, i think i think they hit it on the head like let's try just just Cheers. take your time with this one have to drink or it's bad luck So I do think this four pack is a little bit older because the chocolate flavor has faded a tiny bit. Sure. The strawberries become much more dominant, but also originally when I had this, probably when it was new, newly canned, um, the strawberry was still pretty dominant. Mm. What do you think the ABV is on this? Uh, I'm gonna say six. Five point seven. Who was close? I should have known because I didn't look at the can before this, but I didn't check the ABV. Well, so what's interesting about a strawberry porter is because strawberries are hard to work with. Um, they're hard to work with because their flavor is so mild. Mm-hmm. Um, and so because their flavor is so mild, you, they typically recommend that you use it for a much lighter beer. Mm-hmm. So like a strawberry blonde um, is typically a better way to go. Um, you doing okay? Yeah, no, I'm just thinking. Um, <laughs> I can tell your voice, you're getting quieter and you're staring at the can as you're talking. Well, I'm thinking. You're, very, so, you're, you're pondering something very deeply. Um, which is, I'm, I'm excited because this is kind of what I did when I tried this beer for the first time. I was kind of take, I had to take a couple steps back and say, what the hell's going on here? You I know? do wish, I, I, I can taste where the chocolate, like the chocolate's not where I want it. And I can taste that that's a faded flavor. Um, and so I think, again, this would have been a very, very balanced beer. I think the other thing that I'm just kind of chewing on is if this four pack, if track seven was to make this exact four pack. It's coming out so differently. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, the I guarantee you the ABVs are going to be higher on some of these. The mm-hmm. It's going to pack a way harder punch. And that's not to insult these beers. It's I really think there's just this huge difference in regional beer cultures in America. Yeah. I really do. I think this is like the perfect play for the Midwest of like, we're doing experimental things. It's really mild. But, like, what if I were to tell you, like, we have some, some smaller breweries here in, like, like uh, Ferris Orangeville area, like the Palms. What if I were to tell you, if these had different labels, like, hey, the Palms is trying to get more experimental, and they came up with this four-pack. Like, I'd probably get it. You're like, yeah, all right, okay, I see where they're going. All right, all right, you know. Mm-hmm. It's a smaller little family place, um, you know, here in California. They're up and coming. They just started. This is one of their first big ventures here. And I'm, I mean, I'd give them a pretty good grade compared to other beers in Sacramento, right? Yeah. Not not like, you know, you said Track 7 is like the A+. But then you consider this is a beer from the Midwest. You're like, holy moly. Yeah. So, uh, 
This velvety smooth medium body porter is brewed with chocolate malt, undutched cocoa powder, and finished with natural strawberry flavor. That's very intentional wording. Uh, notes of milk chocolate and cocoa linger throughout intermingle with the natural flavor striking the perfect balance in this guilty pleasure. I tend to agree with that. Yeah. We're happy to brew this collaboration with St. Louis-based company Chocolate Chocolate Chocolate, who is celebrating 40 <laughs> years of business. Wait, do they make chocolate? I don't know. <laughs> uh. Chocolate Chocolate Chocolate, I don't know. Um, yeah, so... Look, I'm interested in this since 1981 part. Okay, cool. So it is, in fact, they had a chocolate company come in to help them in one, whatever way. And that chocolate company has been around for 40 years. I saw the 1981 in the can. I was like, surely this brewery has not been around for 40 years. We would have heard more about them by now. Well, especially making a, a mixed four-pack this ambitious, you know. Yeah. Like, like they're, they're not like a small town. Like, this four-pack gives me the impression that they're not just like a little local craft bro they're like hey we're we're gonna make a statement people need to hear about us especially if it's getting distroed all the way out to sacramento in yeah. total in total line yeah like they're probably they're probably a a, a somewhat big deal mm -hmm. i would argue that if we go to the brewery this might be some of the best beers they have on tap just because how the midwest normally like you said they're a little bit more conservative usually on their their beer production their yep. styles uh, I hope that this isn't the last of it, though. Sure. I mean, the way they use the fruit here in this porter, um, I, I don't know if I can recall very many times that I've been kind of disimpressed with a, a specific fruit flavor from a beer the way it's stated on the can. Oh, man, especially you know I mean? if you were to think about the number of beers we've had, including sours that use strawberry flavor, they completely nailed the strawberry flavor, and mm -hmm. I'm pretty baffled because it's such a difficult flavor to work with. Like, pretty baffled. Yeah, That's what I'm saying in general. Like, any of the beers we've had, like, I think one of the more notables was, like, the lavender blueberry, or is it lavender lemon? Um, there was a Shandy, and I think there was also a Saison from Track 7 that mm -hmm. would both use blueberry, lavender, and lemon. Very, very good. Uh, we've had... Oh. A lot of beers with a lot of fruit. Yeah. The strawberry flavors towards it's it's. I'll just save you the effort. Like mm -hmm. this is definitely towards the top of the heap of yeah. fruit additives, just in the sense of like. Like okay, a common theme is this four pack has sat for a minute. The beer's still mm -hmm. good. Oh yeah. But the aromatics are some of the first things to die out, and so. This beer doesn't taste as fresh as it could be. It's still great. And the strawberry aromatics. Oh, so strawberry flavor is very subtle. It's very quick to die out. And the aromatics of any beer are very subtle or mm -hmm. are, can be subtle and are very quick to die out. So strawberry aromatics in an old beer are still very much present is kind of insane mm -hmm. to me. Yeah. So the, the original, uh, I guess the tasting profile would give you for this beer that was fresh. I mean, to me, it tasted dead on biting into a chocolate dipped strawberry. Mm -hmm. Like, dead on. That was what it tasted like. And I think we agree that the chocolate or the cacao flavors have kind of died back a little bit or receded a little bit. But, like, that's what's on the can is chocolate-covered strawberries. And this is 100% like a beer that tastes like a chocolate dipped strawberry. Like, not even like, it tastes like a carbonated chocolate dipped strawberry. Yeah. 
It's just crazy. It's just, to me, that blew my mind. I mean, the first couple of beers, I was like, yeah, okay, they're making a statement here. And then I got to this beer when I first tried this four-pack. At this point, I was like, okay, these guys are, these guys are, they mean business. Yeah, I'd be interested to go, honestly. Right? I'd be interested to go. Yeah, okay. Well, just enjoy this beer. Um, just, just, you know, walk through it gently. Let it, let it coat your insides. So I am interested to see, and we're going to check a styles guide, what the, the rec... The, the standardized ABV is for um, the American Porter. I'm going to say it's 55 to 6%. And that's just because it's kind of on average what we see. It's 4.8 to 6.5 oh. is the standard. Okay. So this is towards the higher end of standard. So it kind of blows my mind that, and, and this is the American Porter. Um, let's see, let's check. English Porter. It's 4 to 5.4, and the Baltic Porter is 6.5 to 9.5. Oh, boy. So... You guys got to calm down over there. <laughs> uh, so just with those three, Porters can be anywhere uh, from 4 to 9.5%. Yeah. That's kind of insane to me. A pre-prohibition Porter, 4.5 to 6 That's interesting. Um, yeah. So this is like right dead in the middle. Or a little bit higher than the middle. Uh, ABB wise for a quarter. And, I mean, if you, if you, well, four to nine and a half is sort of the range for any product. Uh -huh. I guess if you think of it in the terms of both. Four to six and a half. Before, if you exclude the Baltic Porter, sort of in the middle. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. If you include Baltic Porter, it's kind of like lower third. But that's. I mean, oh man, Baltic Porter is that's a so. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if this is one you'd want to compare. I mean, it's not like any other Porter I've ever had. Yeah, I don't know about you, but reading through those, reading through the styles guides that I just listed off, I feel like Porter, Porter ABVs, certainly the American and British Porters, or English rather, English Porter, American Porter, are very, very much lower than I had somehow associated Porters mm -hmm. to be, you know, like, Maybe I was thinking of like Imperial Porter. Maybe. Or, you know, like, yeah. I, I always thought that they were much, much, or, much more. Or pastry style. Or, or much higher in ABV. Yeah. They didn't miss it. I mean, pastry stouts are like its own thing, you know. Excuse me. There, there, there could be a little bit of overlap depending on the pastry stout, depending on the porter. You could argue that there is some overlap in tasting profile, ABV, you know. Depends on the on the ones. We've had some that are pretty light as far as ABV, but kind of sweeter than a stout should be. But it's mm -hmm. a pastry stout. It's not as bitter. You know, we've had some porters that are pretty heavy and bitter, more like a stout should be. Yeah. This one, 
I don't know. Dude, I don't know if it's possible if you told somebody, like if we homebrewed, like, hey, we made a strawberry chocolate porter. Could we deliver a beer that is more literally a strawberry chocolate porter than this? You know, no. That's what I'm saying. Like, you're talking about false advertising on some of these other cans we've had where they have uh, light. Like, we have a, you know, we try a, a hazy that's got Galaxy or Vic Secret. And they're like, it's got light notes of tropicalness and grassy bitters. And maybe you'll taste some pineapple and pa- uh, papaya. I'm like, no. I don't always taste those. That's, okay. That's, you're, you're reaching a little bit. Yeah. You know. But with this one, I pretty much taste what's on the can. And they, in a subtle way, listed the ingredients on the can. Meaning they just really included them in the description. So they're... I don't know. I think... As opposed to just listing the ingredients. So some breweries are just like, here's what it has. Mm-hmm. And here's a flowery description. They seem to combine it. Where here's a flowery description, but we're also kind of educating you on how our ingredients are making that happen. Mm-hmm. Honestly, this feels like a... Midwest old school new glory, like when old like old school new glory used to be putting the ingredients yeah. on the cans and talking about we use our expressive ale yeast and these hops uh-huh. and yeah 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 that kind of thing. It has this kind of vibe to it. Um. Okay, I think I just was gonna ask you a question, but I think it's gonna be answered when we write the cans. So I'll wait until we move to the fourth beer in the four pack. To have that discussion again i'm getting really excited i don't mean to try to jump ahead and Good. discuss things that the, the listeners can't observe right now we're looking at the four pack cans here mm-hmm. i i just this is i'm like a little kid right now so i'm trying to like contain my so it's pretty cool you know we <laughs> at the end of these sort of any, uh, any episode really we do hindsight where we decide if we drank them in the right order mm-hmm. and then we rank the cans so and then we grade the brewery mm-hmm. before you get there though I think we should drink the fourth beer, and then we can talk about... Well, no, I agree. Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying yeah. it's interesting that I, I'm going into this fourth beer assuming we probably don't even need to do hindsight because the brewery picked the the order for us. Yeah. And so we'll rank the cans and grade the brewery once we start drinking number four, but... Yeah. Um, but just... I think, honestly, I could drink a pint or two of this porter. No problem. Like, it's not a fruit and chocolate type I that's could very do... heavy. You know, it's not overwhelming. So, maximum capacity going down the list for these. Um, the vanilla wafer cream ale, I could probably do a pint. Maybe, yeah. I could do a full pint. Peanut butter cream ale, or sorry, creamy peanut butter ale, I could probably do, honestly, same, probably about a pint. A little bit easier than the vanilla cream. I, it's an easier pint. Yeah. If you want to say like a pint and a quarter, fine. Um, yeah. But this porter, I could probably do a pint and a half. Yeah. If not, especially at the end of an evening. You know, like if you're easy drinking, right? Mm-hmm. That's the thing I really appreciate about these three so far. They're all easy drinking. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Like if I were to pull out of my pocket another can of this strawberry chocolate porter... We'd be splitting it right now. You wouldn't mm-hmm. even question. It. Oh man, it's a little warm today. Or if you know we had our, our keyser and we had mm-hmm. this on draft. You know what I mean? Like we'd oh, yeah. pour another one. Yeah, it's doable. It's um, it's not crushable, but it's very nice. Yeah, we'll have 
I have my crushable beers and I actually have my very drinkable beers. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I think there's a difference. You know what we should be doing? Oh, man. Crushable and sessionable are kind of the same thing. Low ABV and you can drink, you know, three or four pints, no problem. When you get your homebrew set up, let's start doing this podcast as a video. And we'll just have this giant board behind us and we'll just rank every beer that we've ever had. And you can rank them in the categories crushable, drinkable, sippable, you know. Well, they'll get the little awards, you know what I mean? It'll be like well, right by professor where like yeah. one of them get the little like chili pepper because they're uh-huh. cute, you know, like, like oh, this one gets the crushable award. But imagine gets the- a wall of all these beers that we've tried on this podcast all ranked against each oh, other. Man. You know what I mean? Like that's what I'm saying. That would be incredible. Uh, we probably fill up an entire living room full of space on this stuff. Oh gosh, you it's know, so true. I, I was talking to someone recently, and Last, I think you and I have probably tried um, probably a couple thousand beers. Yes, easily. That's that's where I was going to go. It's a couple thousand. Uh, a friend of mine. I was talking to him. Well, actually, you met him. My friend's from Seattle. Because we were doing, school. we were doing uh, at least four beers a week. Uh huh. For a while. For a couple of years. And then we did the trips where we tried between 65 and almost 90 beers per trip. Yeah. And so, yeah, and then... I, I mean, I put... I put the, we're, we're definitely over, like, 2,000 beers, I think. Yeah. Well, that's... When my friends came down from Seattle and you met up with us, uh, in the morning before you met up with us, I think you were busy, uh, we had lunch, and they were talking to, to me about... I was like, well, my friend Jordan and I are the ones who do the podcast. We travel. We're the beer guys. And like, oh, you've tried, you know... So and so, I'm like, yeah, we tried a bunch of shit. Like, we probably tried a couple thousand. They're like, oh, yeah, you just you go. And it's like, my friend, my one of the guys was saying, my friend went to a brewery and they, they drank like three or four pints of stuff. They're like, no, my, my friend and I, Jordan, we go and we run the table. We, like, we do uh, flights. Like, I told them about our Portland trip where I think we had 87 beers in one day, 87 samples, not pints. But we sampled 87 beers in a day. Mm-hmm. And they're like, holy shit. Like, that's how we roll. That's how we So, Yeah. Which is interesting. I I think we've talked about this before. Sacramento has a pretty awesome distribution. And so we're fortunate enough to get stuff like this or Prairie Arts. The beer scene as a whole is is pretty insane in the sense that in the Sacramento area, there's over 100 breweries. And there's something about Sacramento, where whether you're coming by land, air, or sea, it's easy to get to us. Mm-hmm. And we have a lot of beer. From everywhere. From everywhere. And so, um, you know, like, one of my favorite breweries in Oklahoma City, where I was I was living in that area for a long time. Like, we get beer from them. We get beer, you know, like... Yeah. We get a yeah. lot of, a lot of cool stuff. And so, um... Well, yeah. I was, was going to tell you guys, I, I follow a bunch of breweries now on Facebook, like social market or social media stuff. Not so much Instagram. For whatever reason, Facebook is just feeding me all these groups now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Great Notion has a Sacramento distribution hub now. That doesn't surprise me. They have a lot yeah. of stuff here. Oh, yeah. They're, I mean, you and I went to Great Notion, and then I think it was a few months later, we started seeing them everywhere. Yep. And then now they have a distribution hub here. You know, they're, they're a brewery out of Portland, mm-hmm. and they have a distribution hub in Sac. Cheers. Let's jump into this, man. Oh. Chocolate cream cookie style. Have to drink quartz bad luck. Woo. Yes, please. Yeah, I think this one shows its age a bit more than the others. 
Oh, I don't think so. You, know, like, so you, you still taste all the chocolate? Mm-hmm. This is like a chocolatey vanilla cookie stout. This sweet stout is layered with dark chocolate cookie flavors using a variety of smooth chocolate malts. Completely agree with that. Uh, in the grain bill. Lactose sugar enhances the sweet, creamy body and mouthfeel that is mimicking the stuffed center of, the classic, of this classic cookie. Dark chocolate notes from the cookie balances the sweet character of the cream filling. I, yes. Man, they've completely nailed all these descriptions. Yep. Down to the ABV. Now, I will tell you, if you gave me these four beers, like just the names of the four beers, I would have guessed wildly different ABVs. I would have done, I would have done these beers differently. Hmm. Meaning, like, if you said, hey, outside of one of these beers, I'll, I'll tease it. Most of these beers, if you said, hey, here's the title of the beer, here's what we're going to brew. And then let's say in this hypothetical situation, your recipe just happened to mimic their recipe. Uh-huh. Three out of four of these, I would change. Really? And do something different. Not because I think it's bad or I think it's missing anything. I think they've hit the nail on the head. I just think based on all of the beers we've had, if I was to envision some of these beers, I would, in my head, I would do them differently. But they have also simultaneously done a wonderful job on all four of these beers and yeah. completely nailed the descriptions. Yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of um, where I was hoping you'd end up. It's like when I first drank through this four-pack a year or so ago, um, I mean, it's literally like you read the can, that's what it is. There you go. No lying, no overselling. They're not, you know, full of shit. They're very, like you said, understated and very um, subtle in some ways, but also very hitting the nail on the head. Uh, they don't deviate. Like, I mean, you could say adding strawberry to the porter is a deviation from a porter style. You could argue that, but at the same time, it still tastes like a porter. This doesn't taste as much like a stout to me. This is more of a, this is probably more of a pastry style, it's a mm. less bitter stout. I'd say this one has the most deviation from style, but it's still a stout. You can tell it's a stout. It's very chocolate, very, you know, dark chocolate flavor to it. You know. Yeah. I have no complaints about any of these. These, these are all these have all been great. Same. So do you think that we drank these in the right order? Yes. I agree. I think you could you could flip flop these last two cans. Yeah. Not that yeah. you should I could, not should. I think you could in fact flip these last two cans and still get a pretty great experience. So this is my question. Uh, I think, if I were to guess, the brewer was very, very intentional with this four-pack mm-hmm. in ways that you don't understand until you drink through the four-pack. Okay. I think, like you said, um, starting off with the light beer, the vanilla cream ale, is a very nice starting point. The step from that to the peanut butter ale was not too far of a step. It wasn't even that far of a step at all, really. It was just a little bit of a step into a little bit more complex beer, a little bit darker, but not much, barely, right? The way that they jumped from the peanut butter ale to the chocolate strawberry porter, um, that was a big step, but it was a very pleasant one. It was a big step, but I think what they kind of have going for them is, we talked about it, peanut butter and chocolate Uh are great pairings, right? Yeah. And so, naturally, there's this sort of yeah relationship that they have. Plus, 
We said peanut butter and like jam or jelly or preserves, really. And mm -hmm. strawberry is in that second beer. So the two things that go fantastic with peanut butter are in the next step. Yeah. And so there is sort of that pass off. Also, going from amber to a brown colored beer is not a huge deal. And the porter is relatively low in ABV. And yeah. so I think there's... This was a very, very pleasant way to start from a like a light vanilla ale or a light cream ale and end up at a stout in a series of four beers. Yeah, I think this is a very Midwest drinking experience. And very intentional. Yeah. Very artistic, very, very purposeful use of adjuncts, like you said, in each beer. Mm-hmm. Every beer has a different adjunct. Uh, so my question, and this is a question I wanted to ask you at the beginning of this uh, podcast, we're drinking the, the peanut butter. Uh, ale. Would you have rather them done a strawberry ale than a peanut butter porter? Or would you rather have them done this with the strawberry mm. chocolate porter than peanut butter ale? Before I had the, the strawberry chocolate <laughs> porter, I would have said yes. I wish you would do a strawberry ale and a peanut butter porter. Because I do love a good peanut butter porter. Oh, yeah. But now that they've they nailed that strawberry chocolate porter. Yeah. I'm happy with how they did it. Okay. Yeah. Rank the cans. Um, I'm going to just take number four and put it in the back of the line. So it goes number one, strawberry chocolate porter. Number two, peanut butter ale. Number three, vanilla cream ale. Number four, the cookie stout. Hmm. Jordan has moved the chocolate cookie. So your least favorite is actually my second favorite. So it's the, so you're at the chocolate strawberry porter, the cookie stout, peanut butter, then vanilla cream ale. Yeah, so I okay. actually thought we'd be in agreement that the vanilla cream ale was at the back, and that the strawberry porter was at the front, and mm. that I anticipated we would disagree on the stout and the peanut butter ale, but I like the stout a lot. Yeah. I do. It's good. They did a good job with all four of these. It's it's honestly it's true. I think putting this cream ale on the back kinda of does it a disservice to kinda of make you know, fourth place it can't be that good because it's got it was last place, but all four of these beers are good. I do think the reality is this strawberry chocolate porter is the best beer and then there's everybody else. I mm -hmm. think that's really Oh just just smell it. Just smell it one more so time. if I said you can have one of these beers on draft, it would be the strawberry yep. chocolate. Same. Yep. And I wouldn't even like sometimes you and I do this thing where we will get two two pints of different types of beer so we can kind of split and but try. I don't mm -hmm. even care. We'd both get a pint of the strawberry chocolate porter. Like I'm gonna drink a yep. pint of that. Like like say a buddy of yours flew into town. Like maybe Shane or or Carl's flew into town. And I was like, hey, you know, I want to get dinner, but I want to go to a place that has. A decent amount of beer, but you know they're not like as much of beer snobs as you and I are. Or mm -hmm. I, like when when your girlfriend came to town, you and I were down to hike around downtown. Like we're gonna try some good beer. We're gonna walk around. We're gonna do this. Versus, like you know, one of your friends or my friends comes in. We just want to grab dinner. Something like you know, University Beer Yard House. Mm -hmm. It's a good spot. Good food. You got a lot of beers. If you saw that on draft, yes, right? I'd be like, oh. 
Oh, it's gonna be a good night. I'm gonna order it and I'm gonna look at the rest of the table. You don't understand what we just found. You yeah. have no idea what we just found. Mm -hmm. And if you want to go do something else with your evening, that's fine. I'm drinking at least two pints of this and sitting here. Like. Yep. Yep. Um. I would be very excited. Okay, great. So now, based on this four pack, grade the brewery. One to a hundred. You know, I'm gonna give them. I'm thinking B range, but my my problem is. <sighs> You know, I'm going to give them like an 83 or 84. Oh, I'm much higher. Okay. I was going to give them an 89. See, that's where I was conflicted. Do I give them a high B or a low B? Because we've had some places around here that I think make better beer more consistently that I would still rate in the so, mid 80s. Let me ask you this. We had, so let me preface this because the game has changed. Back when we did our Burning Barrel Spotlight, Burning Barrel was not nearly as good as they are now. Yeah. What the Burning Barrel grade I gave was an 85 for that Taste of Royalty 4-pack. Yeah. I would rather have this 4-pack over that Taste of Royalty 4-pack. Agreed. And so that's why I was, I was, I was thinking 88, 89. I would rather have this 4-pack over the beers we got from 3 Mile, which I gave 3 Mile a low to mid-80s grade as well. Okay. Okay. That's my justification. So if there's pushback, I want to hear it. But that's why I think they deserve certainly uh, 87 in my brain. Um, you make a good point. And maybe it's that uh, we've been trying the, the new releases from the SAC, you know, beer scene the last couple of months. And maybe I mean, it's like you said, they've stepped their game up a bit more, which... Burning Barrel, yes. I mean, let's be real. Burning Barrel is at least a 95, if not higher, as mm -hmm. a brewery now. Like, I don't like their price point still. Yeah. But they're always stupid expensive. So at least now I feel like they're delivering on it. Um, yeah. And Log Off is one of my, like, Log Off to me might be the most underrated brewery in the Sacramento area. Agreed. Yeah. Um, so. And so the and the breweries you we you and I have been to are pretty fantastic breweries. So, yes. I, before you, I'm just going to make this point real quick. I think this is worse, like this four pack, drinking this four pack is not as great of an experience as going, as a, pick crawlers from Burning Barrel, pick crawlers from Log Off, pick crawlers mm -hmm. from, you know, Track 7, even Device, yeah. I'll throw in there, mm -hmm. or Field Work, which now I think Log Off is probably nosing these guys out at a low A, in my mind. I'm very high on Log Off. I was about to say log off for me is a very high B. Um, okay, great. So yeah. like I have log off as a low A. Like both times I've been to log off, I've had a great time. Um, if you ignore the beer slushies, be great time. <laughs> um, was, I, I'm sorry. That was. Uh, those were not good. This. Um, <laughs> but so bad. Like the their IPA game, dude, is is insane. The uh, West Coast IPA game at Log Off is next uh, level. And their sours are usually pretty good. It's, oh man, they're, and their halves are good. We had yes. different ones from them. They're good. Oh gosh, dude. Yeah. Like and to me, like Log Off is like ninety to ninety two range for me. That's where I have them, and I have them nosing out this brewery. So but they're not field work. Field work, I had like a ninety five. Track seven, I had a ninety eight. Mm -hmm. They're not urban roots. Urban roots, I had a ninety eight. They're not burning barrel. Burning barrels in that ninety five to ninety eight range to me. Yeah. So log off is a good comparison, I think, to these guys. I think these sure. guys are bigger in the Midwest than log off is here in Sacramento. 
But as far as beer quality, that's what I'm saying. I give Lock Off like a high B, and these guys are like a mid B to low B. So you give them a, a low A, which means to your I'm scale, these are... I'm an 88 to 90. Yeah, I have an 88, 89. So these guys? Well, no, these guys are... The, sorry. Log off, I have 90 to 92. That's what I'm saying. Then so then these, these guys, guys are... These guys are in the 87 to 90 range. So me. so that I think we're... we're um, what's kind of funny is our scale is the same, but our rating is slightly different. Sure. So I think we're four or five points away, like scoring log off by 5% higher than uh, these guys. Uh, what the hell is their freaking name? O'Fallon? I don't know. O'Fallon I'm just trying Brewing. to make okay. sure, like, because no, I, I would rather have this than the 85 I gave to Burning Barrel when we did that oh, Taste of Royalty. So I'm sure. trying to be consistent. Well, I think what's kind of funny is that my point is that um, you're grading Log Off about four or five points higher than O'Fallon, and so am I. Sure. But we're just a slightly different percentage off. I think that we can agree they're probably a high B brewery. Yeah. Which most places from the Midwest, uh, it's very hard to find a high B brewery from the Midwest compared to the sack scene. Agree, agree. So these, are, these guys um, are swinging hard. There's, in Norman, Oklahoma specifically, there are five breweries. There's Equity, which is technically two breweries in one. Mm. It's kind of weird. It's the same tap room. And two breweries operate under the same tap room. Nice. Um, like roommates. Yes, actually. And so there's two. I forget the name of the other one. Um, but it's a cool experience. The Equity Brewing Taps, I think, are a little bit stronger. But um, And then there's Das Boot Camp, which is a German beer garden. There's Big Brewing. There's Lazy Circles. There's 405 Brewing. And mm. then there's Black Mesa. Of all those breweries, the one that I think would have the easiest time surviving is Big Brewing, B-I-G. Mm. It's called Beer's Good Brewing Company. Okay. Um, I think they would be able to survive in the Sacramento scene. And so the thing that really sticks out to me about this four-pack is that they would be able to stick out in the Sacramento scene as well. And so if you think about what I'm talking about as far as the Oklahoma scene... There are seven breweries, and only one of them, I think, would actually make it in the Sacramento scene. The rest of them, no disrespect to them, I think just because of the saturation of the market, I don't see most of them making... Um, I don't see most of them making beer that would really make it out here. Now, who knows? Like As we kind of talked about at the beginning, that... Uh, brewery is a business, and how you run your business is determined on by your demographic. And so maybe I'm way off on this, and as we sort of, if those breweries were in a perfect world to just move over here and start making beer that would target their California demographic, maybe that would be completely different. But in the case of, you know, if we, Chris and I have done a lot of, a lot of beer tasting in a lot of parts of the country. This four-pack that we've had is very, very much forward-thinking, and as far as far as our experience, at least, of the Midwest beer scene, and so <clears throat> I think it just points to this is a very innovative, very intentional brewery that really understands different ingredients and put a ton of thought into this mixed four-pack and. Yeah, really, uh, really, I think, hit the nail on the head with all of their descriptions. And, um, yeah, pretty much killed it. Any closing thoughts? 
Uh, closing thoughts. I don't know, man. Um, I think I think Miles said it best when we called him and told him we were drinking this four pack without him. And he said we we're a couple of bastards. And I agree. It, you know, maybe that was kind of a you know a fun poke at Miles, but that's just like just get four pack. It's, good it's just good. Back. It's just good. And I, I saw this on the shelf. I got really excited. And I was like, Jordan has to try this. It's not the best time you're going to have. It's also a really fun time. And the beer's cool. Oh. It's cool beer. Oh, that was... If, like, say... There's a difference between good beer and cool beer. This is cool beer. This is cool beer. I would say it's also pretty good beer for... Agreed. Contacts. Also agreed. Yeah. But I would say, like... So you're looking for, like... This isn't something you bring to a party. This isn't something you bring to a barbecue. This is something, say, like you and a friend, like you and I just did, or like um, you and your lady are into beer, but you don't feel like going out in the town. Maybe you get some snacks. Like, hey, let's split this four-pack and go on an adventure. We'll just hang out at home and just sit through it. And I think it's a good time. I think it would, it would be a Agreed. good time. So Even if you want to drink through it by yourself, you know, you could, you know. It's doable. It's do, not too heavy. Do one can a night, even. Yeah. Um, but... The highest beer is like, the highest ABV actually is five point seven percent. So you know, all things considered, it's not that much different than if you if you're the kind of person that could drink through a six pack. Hmm. Like an, an yeah. average six pack. If you can drink a six pack of Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, you can go through this four pack no problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially like something like, um, I've done this a couple of times, you just put on a movie, like a long movie, two and a half hours, mm-hmm. you're just sipping through these, it's doable in a night. Yeah. You know. 100%. It's, yeah. That's what I'm saying, like none of these are, like even the stout isn't really super heavy. Right. You know. I do so. think that's the nice thing, is that it's kind of a double-edged sword. I would make, I would personally make some of these a little bit more high octane, but... It's nice to kind of kill a four pack and kind of go feel like you can go about your day. Like yeah. we're honestly like we're about to do. So you feel primed and ready for your big moment. My big moment, yep. <laughs> um, I was gonna say yeah, we do have to wrap up because we gotta head down to uh, to Old Town here tonight. Yeah, and so um, cool. Yeah, next couple episodes yeah. you can expect Chris and I are gonna drop a brown ale episode. Mm. Uh, Still coming up with the title for that. Potentially the most underrated beer style of all time. Yeah, you know what? We um, also have a great notion brewery spotlight coming up. That's right. How many? I mean, we got a lot of. I tried to break it up, and that's why, if you guys are listening to this episode, this comes after the episode with all four of us from Growler Gang. The Growler Gang episode was recorded a while ago. Uh, I chopped it up a little bit to kind of make it more (laughs) palatable and not four hours long. So, um, you know, that one, we talk about things a little bit out of the time sequence, and I apologize. It's just. It was just something we recorded we never used, and I decided to use it, you know, Yeah. again. So, uh, trying to chop it up. Jordan and I have done a lot of these these spotlights lately, but it's just, I don't know. I don't regret doing any of the spotlights so far. It's just a whole bunch in a row, and they've it's all been great. Beers. So, mm-hmm. the cool brown beer. ale will hopefully break it up, um, and we'll have to think of something after that to, uh, to do. Yeah, so. definitely. Well, uh... Do you have anything else? That's it. That's it. Well, uh, you'll hear from us soon. Cheers, guys. Cheers.